Hello and welcome in to the box lunch a little early for, for lunch today. Brunch. Butch. Brunch. brunch. I'll go with brunch. But nonetheless, I am Trace Fowler. You are? Reed Mouse. Reed and we're filling in with the legendary Tom Brenneman, who is uh, going to see his daughter. That's never a bad thing. Heading down to Texas. A little warmer weather yeah, down there. We're gonna, we need to check in. I asked him if he'd come on the show. Um, that is to be determined. Probably not going to happen. Whenever someone says maybe, it's a no. It's a no. Just so you know, that's if you uh, that's that's a kid tip of the day. Having said that, we'll see what kind of shoes he picks out because uh, that was the hot topic yesterday. I don't know what that might be, but we have a whole list of topics. One of them, World Series. This is Johnny Cueto's fault for the Reds' position. That's the take that I have. Uh -huh. Obviously, we got Manfred. I don't know if you've seen it last night. We'll get to that. The NCAA or losers. I know that's not something that's new, but I think it's something we can get yeah, into. Sucks. And uh, <laughs> at the end of the day. We got some college football over the weekend that's yeah. relatively important. Something that we've talked about before. Not really a whole lot maybe in the mm -hmm. box lunch version, but the college football playoff expansion. I think we have different takes on that. And then uh, the Bengals, which you guys continue to want to talk about them. So, and that's fair because I think the chat likes the Bengals. So, we'll right. talk about the Bengals and the limbo that they're in. And then I want to talk to you guys about that raise that I talked about on Wednesday. I already told Mariana to quit her job. I mean, that, <laughs> that raise is already in the bank account. But luckily for us, we got we got Casey, we got Paul, we got the, we got the normal cast of characters here on the uh, the box lunch, fellas. How we doing? How we doing? I'm doing well. We got a little bit of a long day today, but um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, let's rock and roll. Let's First it. thing up. First thing up, series, World yeah. Series. I think for the first time, at least in my life, I genuinely think that the World Series outshined the National Football League. Well, it wasn't hard to beat. I mean, it was Eagles versus undefeated Eagles versus the Texans. Boring game. What is interesting, is this the first time, has anyone looked this up, is this the first time that a primetime football game has coincided with the same two teams playing in the World Series? Uh, maybe. I mean, it's got to be, I'm not right? much of a stack guy, right. personally. My, it's got to be. But that game last night was was excellent. I know you guys were, were watching. We were texting. Me and Paul, we had stake in the game with the oh, anti-Philly special. Oh, man. I mean, I'm making Chris Chesler so much money. All the <laughs> homies hate Chesler, and that's a not-too-picky reference. But Fair. God, the anti-Philly special, so close. But I want to say something about baseball really fast. And I, I know that many folks probably don't like talking baseball, and, and mm -hmm. I understand that. But at the same time, um, it's a game that I grew up, a game that I love for the most part. And... I think that there are flaws in it, but I will say, and you guys at the panel can discuss this as well, baseball is the only sport that builds drama in the way that yeah. it does. I mean, it's slow, and then it just builds up to an absolute intensity that just makes your heart pound. And I couldn't imagine, if the Reds are in the World Series, how I'm going to be. I mean, I, I was nervous for the Astros fans last night in a relatively situation that many people that turned on the game probably weren't even worried about. But when Castellanos came up, one for multiple reasons for this show, um, if Castellanos came up and he hits a home run, hits a walk-off home run, the Astros felt like they played the much better game. Right. They, they played relatively flawless. They pitched well. They, they you know, they, they felled whatever the word would be there. Um, and they would walk away with a loss off one pitch at the end of the game. And obviously, that didn't happen. The Astros were, what, one, one, one right. run away from Dusty's. Dusty of, deserves it. He but does. You mentioned your blood would be pumping if, if the Reds were in the World Series. Now, I'm a Cubs fan. Right. I'm not shy about this. It's my number one fandom by a long shot. Can you imagine just going through years and Sorry years and years of just losing and little Rajay Davis hits a home run when you're just on the cusp of hitting a World Series? That Imagine your heart going through through that moment at that moment in time. But you're right. 
I said this last night. I, I don't know if I articulated this well in our group chat, but yep. you can love football. You can love basketball. You can love golf, all these sports. You, you can be in love with baseball. It is such yeah. a romantic sport. I know that's the old phrase from Moneyball. There is something just magical about a good baseball game that the other sports don't fully encumbrance. It's like a movie. It just builds drama so well as you. One, one so thing about really baseball play. and the music industry, they have something in common. I thought about this last night. It's like what other industries have just completely flipped on their heads. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know where I'm going with this and maybe you guys maybe know where I'm going with this or not, but the music industry for the longest time, as, as many know, especially probably that are older than us, they they were trying to sell records right the goal was to yeah. sell cassettes or records or obviously vinyl. cds vinyl whatever whatever yeah. term you're trying to sell your music right in the store at your event um and that's why they went on the road that's why they toured was mm -hmm. for that purpose they wanted to promote their music to say hey go out and buy it now it's the complete opposite right it's a complete sure. it's a complete opposite you make your money from the tours you make your money from the tours you go out you, you go to as many stops as you possibly can you make your money off the event and you leave and you probably get like what i would call some like mailbox money for all of your music right you probably get a check in the mail that's that's a lot of money i'm right. not saying it's not for some of these artists but at the same time that's not the purpose of of the main revenue stream and in major league baseball pitching has become the polar opposites as well in my opinion it used to be in baseball you tried to get the, the the starter out of the game, right? You're like, okay, yeah. let, let's extend it bats. Let's let's make this guy's pitch count. You used to go to games and look up at the pitch count meter and be like, oh, this guy's he's got 60 pitches in the third inning. Like we're we're gonna get to we're gonna right. get him out of there. Now they're looking forward to getting him out of there. They're just like, hey, last the um, the center garden was like, I think that they said over the air his goal was to get 11 outs. Yeah, no, you I get mean, you get to the outs as a starter. Well, th then there's Dusty Baker. Do you think the reason Verlander threw like 100 pitches in, in five innings, do you think they kept him thrown out there just because Dusty wanted Verlander to get the win? He's never Verlander's no. never got a World Series win. No, I heard Dusty say before the game or or maybe prior the day before that he had mentioned something along the fact that Verlander's a different type of pitcher to where there's times where he doesn't look good in the first or second inning, but if you give him enough time to kind of get his feet underneath him, that he thinks he can, he's his most dominant in his middle innings. So I think there's some times where Dusty just – and Dusty has a tendency not to, not, to, not to bury a man, but he has a tendency to leave some guys in when maybe he shouldn't leave them in. 2002 for those who don't know yeah. went, went to game seven got fired the next day so but the, the, go ahead no the funny thing is about you you said you want to get to the bullpen it's it's completely flipped on yeah as a hitter when you when you come up there for the second third time you feel comfortable like i've already seen this guy two three times i i'll go against this guy again we're, we're not even worried about when you see a new arm that's a whole new guy that you have to adjust for and it's and it is interesting how how it has flip flopped and and one thing that I've always found interesting in the the later years of baseball as we're coming along is pitchers throw their best pitch more often. You saw this, right? And and, I, and maybe Mariano Rivera started this trend. Wow. You don't you don't mess with if you have a plus plus slider. Guess what pitch you're going to be throwing seventy percent of the time. Right. You don't mess with the fastball anymore. And that is something that I found interesting as the game has advanced. Yeah, I mean, last night I think was one of those just marquee nights for the World Series, for Major League Baseball as a product and whole, and it delivered. I mean, it was a great game, right. and game one delivered. Sure. So now it brings up the old 
worry that Tom had on his show the last few days, which was that rainout has caused them to have to play these two most meaningful games in the World Series of the season on Saturday and <laughs> Sunday. Tough. I think Paul is a pretty decent kind of like, um, I don't know what you would use, like test dummy on this. Our Paul? Our Paul. Mm. Paul, what is your plan on Saturday? I know Casey's not watching a damn pitch of baseball probably <laughs> unless we tell him what channel it's on but what are you doing on saturday on saturday well do we know what time the first pitch is a world series yet this this it's gotta be eight yeah it's they're all at eight all right so all eight, eight, eight o'clock eight. at night you got lsu alabama what are we what are we what are we well, doing I'm probably a bad example here because I'll be in the second half of a Xavier men's soccer oh, Big East tournament brother. broadcast. Hey, so you got you to gotta work. I got to work on Saturday night. Sunday, Sunday, 8 o'clock, Sunday night football. I mean, I'll, I'm, a, I'm a baseball guy. I'll be watching the World Series. Fair. To answer your question, I'll be watching the World Series. Now, if it's like a 4-2 game in the seventh inning and LSU-Alabama is a, is a three-point <laughs> game in the fourth quarter. That's tough. You need two oh, TVs it's, at it's that def point. It's definitely turning breaking on. breaking out that second streaming TV and one of them's 30 seconds behind and so be it. And you're staying off Twitter and that's just how it goes. Let's talk about the drama from, from last night for a quick second. And we've got a few plays. Casey, can you go ahead and, and play the, the Trey Mancini, the, the Kyle Schwarber play? This yeah. is what, the eighth inning. There's runners in first and third, two outs. Go ahead and play the clip. Oh, hang on. Uh -oh. Hold on. We're playing it. It's coming. Look at that. Look at the death stare from Kyle Schwarber. The one, two. Fair ball and picked by Mancini. Off of the bench for Guriel and Trey Mancini keeps the Astros right. in front. Wow. Great play by Mancini. Trace, you think this is all luck? Yeah. You think that's all luck? That's mostly luck. Let me tell you something. By the time that man puts his glove down, <laughs> it balls in his glove. All right. right. It hits, it's, there is some instinctual to it. Sure. It's not all luck. It's like a hole-in-one. It's like a hole-in-one in golf. Maybe not to that extent, right? But at the same time, that's what I would compare it to. You, as a fielder, when the ball's hit that hard, I mean, that ball was on him. Mm -hmm. As a golfer, you don't walk up there and think, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to knock this thing right in the cup. You have, you have some skill to be able to hit it close, but it takes some, it takes some inevitable luck to put it actually in the hole, obviously. So I, I, I do think there's some luck, and I joked with you guys, was he being lazy right there? Just, just lollygagging off well, the bag? Well, see, this is... I know he wasn't, but... Right. Well, yeah, you but said... But at first, I thought he did. At first, I was like... Is this <laughs> that was just? actually the first take that Trace came in. He said, Trey Mancini was being lazy because he gets one step off the bag, and we had to tell him, hey, that's a good job by, you know, whoever adjusts the Astros' defense to say, hey, we're guarding the line here in this situation with Kyle Schwarber up at the plate. Um, Al Altuve was 15 feet out in right field. But, man, that is, that is ridiculous that you think that's luck. I mean, it's a one-hopper. I mean, he put his glove down, sure. Well, luck, but is, luck, luck is, is still has some skill in it, I think, right? I mean, it, it all right. comes down to what your definition of luck is. I'm just telling you that that man, mm -hmm. he didn't know he caught the ball until it was in his glove. Yeah. All right, Paul, you were watching. We've got another play. Paul, we were texting yeah. back and forth because, we once again, we had the anti-Philly special. We, we did. Were, we were all Houston yesterday. The first leg already hit with the Texans. We needed Astros to win one and a half, so we actually needed the Phillies to score here in the bottom yeah. of the ninth inning. Go ahead and play the clip, Casey, and tell me what your heart was doing at this moment, Paul. 
center field. McCormick on the move. He's at the track. He's at the wall. Makes the grab. Taz McCormick. Two gone in the ninth. That was the second best play by a C. Mick yesterday. Casey Casey McAllister is is better play yesterday, but obviously that is a home run in eight out of the thirty ballparks. JT Real Muto, and this is why drama baseball is so spectacular. Right. I mean, Philadelphia on their feet. Everyone in the state of Pennsylvania thinks that ball is gone. And Chaz McCormick brings it. Oh, there was back. even a great video of the Eagles in the lo- in the postgame locker room reacting to that, watching the game in the locker room down in Houston. Yeah, that's a tough break, man. I thought I thought we had it. I'll be honest, off the wall with the with the lineup coming up. I thought that, man. I thought he was at least going to be on second. I didn't think off the bat it was a home run, just the way the ball was carrying that such a high wall in right field. But that's that point where you get into into betting on a game like that, and you have to start rooting for the other, the other team, team that we've talked right. about. You have to start rooting for the other team because you know that that's your last shot to try and win it. the bet. But uh, it was always the it was always the money line read. Where it was always the money. Where do you guys, Trace and, and Paul, since you guys are baseball guys, no offense, Casey. That where do you guys sit on extra innings in baseball? I think during the regular season, I don't have an I don't have an ounce of issue with putting a guy on second base. Personally, um, I do think that during you get into the playoffs, um, I think that at that moment and those times, I'm okay with it going reverting back to the old rules, similar to the NFL. The NFL has overtime rules for regular season. They have overtime rules now. They've changed it for the postseason. See, I'm not I. I'm of the opinion that you can't have one foot in, one foot out. I think I'm all on board with the runner. In scoring position, you had nine innings to to find a winner. Let's get some action here. What was was it? The Mariners, uh, Astros? No, I think you're talking about Cleveland and uh, it was no, it was the Mariners and who did they play in the wild card round? You're talking about the Cleveland game that went 18 innings. Okay, whatever. It went 18 innings and it was zero zero right. in, yeah. in the the 17. Yeah, that's terrible. That's not fun. No, Paul. I, I can see them waiting till the 11th. I'm fine okay. with nothing in the 10th, and then by the 11th, throw somebody on there and let's find a winner. That's that's okay. my opinion. I'm I'm cool with that. I want I, don't I hate want it I want ghost runners. I, I want ghost runners more. Well, they're not really ghosts. Well, yeah. Okay. Why do we use that term? Well, well and you're it's not the just, only one. It's just the childhood. The hell, it's just the childhood. Who the hell term? decided to call it a ghost runner? Just say it's a it's a guy starting on second base. I mean, is that? I like bad? the ghost runner. Oh yeah, adds a little adds a little flair to it. Okay, well, I'll, t- I'll say one thing. I know that folks that obviously are probably watching us now watch Tom's show. Tom obviously had Bronson Arroyo on the mm-hmm. other day. That brought up something that I had never heard before. Paul had mentioned the other day that it had at least been brought up in other sources. He had heard it before, but nothing to the extent of the way that Bronson had explained the Johnny Cueto NLDS situation against yeah. the Giants back in 2012, and it. This is a guy that's a huge Reds fan. So do I want to sit here and talk about 2012 a whole lot? No, I don't. Um, But I do think that there's a situation where Johnny Cueto messing around in batting practice, and I say messing around lightly. I'm not saying he he, he was being completely uh, belligerent about the situation, but you heard Arroyo. He said that he was like, hey, watch this. Here's how hard I'm going to hit the ball, and he swung as hard as he possibly could three straight times, and he tweaked his back. Um 
if that doesn't happen, I genuinely think, and now this is this is obviously maybe some romance and maybe I, I'm thinking with some blinders like Casey does with the Bengals from time to time around yeah. here on this station. Um, little revisionist history. I really do think that it could have changed the course of Reds history forever. Not just because of the postseason. Not just because they could have won, obviously, not just that divisional series, but then one went on to beat, I think at the time it was the Cardinals and the Tigers. I don't remember, but I do know that I seen a stat the other day from Nick Kirby that said that the Reds had uh, a significant winning record against the next two teams that they had played. They were going to mm -hmm. play in the postseason. I'm not even talking about that. Take that out of the window. I'm talking about the worst contract in Major League Baseball history. Oh, oh. Might have, in Homer my opinion, Bailey? very much might have stemmed from that situation. And here's why. I think that you had a decision to make between Homer Bailey, right? Yeah. And Cueto. And we can get into this a little bit. But at sure. the end of the day, if Johnny Cueto doesn't get hurt and he goes out and he pitches well that entire postseason, or let's just say he pitches well in division round and they somehow still lose. He goes out the next year, he plays, you know, what I would say he pitches well, right? In 2013, he, he was hurt. For a lot of the year, he didn't he didn't get a play for okay. most of the season. He was about and then he went and he struggled again in the postseason. And he I'm telling you, the brights are the lightest in the postseason, and people remember that the most. No, there's there's guys that have been in the Hall of Fame. Jack Morris is, is a guy that comes to mind that that get in because of how well they do in the postseason. You you remember those games more prevalently. I I, I think, know you have some stats to make this fun story wrong, but at the end of the day, I really think that 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 Johnny Cueto getting hurt affected the perception of him as a guy that you could rely on in the postseason. I, I don't think that the signing Homer Bailey over Johnny Cueto completely flips the future of Reds baseball. How does it not? I mean, I know that is a really good sign as opposed to a terrible sign. First off, Homer Bailey being the worst contract in, in Major League history is just ludicrous. Well, I mean, if we, I don't know. Casey, do you have that clip? Do you have, do you, do you have the screenshot? The screenshot. It's uh, $100 million. Do you have the screenshot of, of Homer Bailey? No, I do not have okay. that. Well, you can look it I'll up. I'll pull it up. Six I'll years, 107 million, I think is what it was. But right? I'm telling you that there was an outside agency, okay, that has nothing to do with the Reds, has nothing to do with any of our fandom, and, 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 and they put Homer Bailey as the literally the worst. Now, they're taking into some account of the franchise, right? If the Yankees sign a guy for $100 million right. and he fails, big whoop. Jacoby Ellsbury gets signed for $160 million and – by the Yankees, and I don't even think he ever played in the major leagues behind the the first. I'm just telling you that Homer Bailey for a sets this franchise Worse back for a significantly. Worse well, for a I mean, it says literally, you can read it. Contract is worse. He's going to put it in history. here. I'll let the people read it in chat. Uh, it says it right there on the page by Jacob Schaefer. Hang on one second. It's almost there. Casey's See, here's the it. thing is, does, does signing Homer Bailey – as opposed to Johnny Cueto. Like, are the Reds, who from 2015 on have been terrible, does signing Johnny Cueto completely flip that roster? Was he was he the guy that gets gets the Reds over saying, the hump and keeps them in contention? I'm not. I guess I'm, I'm, more, I'm more or less frustrated with the philosophy of what they decided to do, right? I love Joey Votto as much as anybody, right? And I think Joey Votto outperformed his contract. Yeah. But it's also like being the guy that, that has a – a $25,000 salary, you can't go eat at Jeff Ruby's. Right. You can't go get valet parking. These are things that you just cannot do. You can't sign guys to these big, big, big contracts and expect to be able to go out and make 
moves that are going to facilitate a, a complete roster. You know what's funny about that that contract in general? So he signed it before the 2014 season, and it immediately aged poorly. Homer Bailey played okay in 2014, but Johnny Cueto went 20 and 9, 225 ERA, best season of his career, 243 innings pitched. Would have won a Cy Young any any other year except for Clayton Kershaw happened to be the MVP that year uh, back yeah. in 2014. Right. It was just absolutely lights out. But I mean, do does does getting Johnny Cueto over over Homer Bailey make the Reds contenders for the next six years? Well, I mean, listen, and I think Cueto had his issues with some injuries too. I'm not suggesting that he would have been a huge slam dunk over Homer, but to sit here and think that when you go out and you make the decision to sign a guy like Homer, and you literally get nothing out of him. Yeah, he was a negative player. Actually, it's like a negative. You get negative four. Nothing out of the guy. Two, two uh, no hitters. I mean, how much did those have to do with with? You know what it reminds contract? me of? It reminds it reminds me similar to like where we're at in America with college debt. In a way, I mean, yeah, go out and spend a hundred thousand dollars on a socio uh, uh, psychology degree or something, right? See how that works out for you. That's what the Reds did. They went out and spent a hundred thousand oh, dollars on a psychology man. degree oh, and got Homer man. Bailey. That's oh, tell me I'm wrong. Chat, tell me I'm wrong. It's tough. So, that said, um, well, we're fast. We're, we're obviously getting ready to pass Quaid's fault. I don't know if you've seen this. Um, I know that we talked about it briefly. I don't know if the chat's seen this, but uh, I don't think Rob Manfred's liked by – is he liked by anybody? No. First of all, commissioners in, them, in and of itself – It's a tough job. It's a, it's tough, a tough job. job. <laughs> no one ends up liking any of the commissioners ever for the most part. But I will say, at least if you, if, if you don't like Roger Goodell, you can at least admit that the guy, when he's been in charge – the, the league has, has progressed and elevated and made rule changes and gotten better, and the, 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 the fandom has grown significantly. Rob Manfred, uh, is it the polar opposite of that? Maybe, in my opinion. But this is why the internet is, like, undefeated. Did you see this? I saw the clip, and I misheard it. So we talked about this, and, and I did not hear this perfectly well. I was laying in bed with my wife and I didn't want to wake her up and I'm listening to this and I was like, I don't even know what he's saying. Go ahead and play the clip. Play the clip and we'll see if the chat can hear it clearly. Hey Rob, if you want the youth and the blackout, the mess. Hey, Dan. <laughs> hey Rob, if you want the youth and the blackout, the mess. Alright, that's hey, good. Dan. So, yeah. my favorite, maybe my favorite part about that was his friend, did you hear his friend next to him? No, said, no. His friend at the very, very end said, oh, Dan. <laughs> I think it's this funny. This guy's got tickets to the World Series, <laughs> and there's a small chance that he just got him escorted out of there immediately. But what this guy did, if you don't know, we talked about Reddit the other day, being the left uh, the left armpit of, of the yeah, internet, or yeah. someone brought that up. So this guy got on Reddit and said, whatever the most upvoted comment is in this chat... <laughs> I will ask Rob Manfred. And he had a picture. So literally, the chat, of course, had all these things. The most the most upvoted thing was if you want the youth in baseball. What was if you want the youth in baseball in the blackouts. In the blackouts, dumbass. And that was the most liked thing. And sure enough, the here we are. See, so, you, you think the best was his friend. My best was Rob Man Manfred looking over and and a sort of excitement when he first learned he's like oh what is this young what is this fan gonna say to me as if it was ever gonna end up well i mean he he turned and he smiled like <laughs> he did hey. he's got and know. just i mean yeah you gotta you gotta own up to it i i, I do think one thing and i know I, this is easier said than done per se um 
I, I just think that sometimes commissioners should go like a little, a little more personable with people, right? I know you can't shoot back right there at that guy, but I would have just made a small, quick comment like, I'll give it a shot, but it's kind of complicated, my man, and let's left it at that. But here we are. So, is it anyone like Rob Manfred? Does anyone like any commissioner? Is there yeah, any Adam commissioner? Silver. Adam Ad Silver. Adam Silver is awesome. Adam Silver is one of the more popular, one is, of the more popular guys. Right, right. Roger Goodell is hated, and you could you could argue that Roger Goodell is better at his job than any any commissioner in in the past few decades. I mean, well, he's also got the easiest easiest product to put put in front of eyes. Well, I just think. Major, we talked about this the other day. Major League Baseball is in a situation it's where they, tough. they can't it's compare themselves to anything, right. any other league. They need to stop, the, the stop thing, worrying about it. Blackouts are seriously so terrible. You know people in Kentucky? like if you Tennessee. Tennessee can't watch Reds games. Can't people watch Reds games. Can't watch Reds games. Can't watch Braves games. If you yeah. live in a small area in Iowa, you can't watch Cubs, Cardinals, Royals, White Sox, and Brewers games. And maybe right. even the Twins games. It's... For those that don't know what blackouts are, I'm just going to like talk like it's elementary school sure. to a small extent. So I don't, I, I don't know if people know what blackouts are. So the, the the purpose of a blackout used to be, and this is the this is the mindset or the model that they're still trying to hold on to to a certain extent, and nobody can agree with this, is that if you live within a certain area, close enough to the stadium, the goal back in the day was you can't watch the game unless right. The game was completely sold out. That was, yeah, in the NFL. And, in the NFL for a while. But that's the main concept is we're trying to push people to go and buy tickets to, to increase that revenue instead of watching the actual game. What? I think... And, and it's, it's morphed. I know where you're going with this. It's, okay. morphed, it's morphed itself into the idea that you need to watch it on the local right. cable or whatever you want to call the it. Cable station the the local for station rights. for the rights. And the issue with all of that is... We've gotten into a certain situation now as a society that people don't consume cable the way they used to. Mm -hmm. You can't if you can't watch Reds games on YouTube TV. That is one of the most ridiculous things yeah. you could possibly have. As a Cubs fan, I watch the majority of my games on MLB Network, whatever it's called, MLB TV. The only games I cannot watch are when they play 30 minutes from my home. And Cincinnati. Those are the games I cannot watch because I have YouTube TV. I have no way of watching the Reds. So I have, if I want to watch the Cubs play the Reds, I have to go out to you know a local establishment that has that game. All right. All right. Let's jump into the next one. NCAA are losers. Um, we obviously had news break yesterday. I don't know if this is something in which most people are aware of or seen, but Louisville. Uh, well, speaking of which, this is gonna be fun. How do you say? How do you say that? that town i have a friend that is a diehard louisville fan and every time that i get around her i pronounce it with more twang i go louisville louisville i get a little worse as the night goes on if i just said what how do you say it you say what well louisville is how i is how i, I say it, louisville i, I say don't louisville i'm not i'm not openly admitting that's right or wrong what do you guys casey say? how do you pronounce the the capital of kentucky <laughs> i <laughs> i say he didn't, get the, he didn't get the joke. Frankfurt's the capital of Kentucky. You say what? Louisville. Louisville. Paul? Uh, my dad's from there. I say Louisville. I feel like that, that is, is that the, the right way. way. Louisville? Yeah, yeah. Louisville. 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 You basically Louisville. just don't like even... a mouthful of marbles. Yeah, a mouthful of marbles. Louisville. Fall out like yeah. molasses. Um, but Louisville had some sanctions 
if you want to call it that, put against them yeah. yesterday <laughs> through the NCAA. Casey, go ahead and throw it up there whenever you get a chance. Um, well, just to be real clear, this is the IARP, which is not the NCAA. The NCAA and the IARP are very different, and the IARP was established by Condoleezza Rice as something. It's an independent re review panel. I know, it, I, I know, yeah, I know where, where, what you mean by this, but just want to make it clear that this is a case that was was legislated, I guess you could say, by <coughs> this review panel, which is separate from the NCAA. But the NCAA essentially is the one that initiated, yeah, the whole thing, yeah. It'd be, it, it almost would be like, they uh, the IA, it, it almost would IA be like RP. a parent, it almost would be like a parent telling, telling their babysitter to go and do something. And then the babysitter does something and everyone's like, oh, the babysitter sucks. It's like, does the babysitter suck, Paul, or does the parent suck? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. All right. Yeah. Thanks. So here's my problem with the NCAA. And I'm not saying that they have a, they have a whole list of issues right now. Right. I mean, yeah. you have NIL, Wild Wild West, you got the transfer portal, you have, in my opinion, something I want to get into briefly that we could discuss that that I don't know whether the, the 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 folks out there care about it or not, but I think recruiting has got to be fixed to a small extent within the NCAA and the mm -hmm. way that these schools are going about recruiting anymore. Um, I don't think many people give a rat's ass about the whole paying the players and or the the, the I guess the internal issues at an institution. Am I right on that or wrong? Do you care if, uh, my point is, do you care if Rick Patino is letting his players go and party during recruiting trips? No, no, not at all. All right. Paul? No, and, and this one, this case here stemmed from paying Brian Bowen back in 2017. This was different than the stripper case back from 2013, which actually Rich, Rick Patino said yesterday, which I thought was kind of interesting. Patino came out yesterday in his press conference from Iona and said if the IARP had been the one that had handed down the punishment from 2013, then the championship banner would still be hanging. But since it was the NCAA, they took it down, which I thought was kind of interesting, just the way that he felt like they were treated more fairly because right. they realized it just wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, and I, I, that's kind of where I'm at on most of these rules with the NCAA. The main thing that I would like the NCAA to do is just be just be consistent with whatever they decide to try to do. And I think Tom's obviously laughed about this and brought this up about the whole, you know, Kansas and the Carolinas yeah, and the Dukes yeah. get treated differently than the other one. Oklahoma State is something that, that many people don't know. You can go dig it up if you care enough to look at it. Oklahoma State got absolutely a raw deal. They tried to help the NCAA and find out what violations occurred. And then they just banned them from the postseason. And it's one of the most absurd, ridiculous things I've ever seen. And... The last thing, I don't want to jump topics too fast. Do you have anything to add on just kind of the NCAA as a whole? Well, What's like, your biggest issue with them? Well, I mean, I have a lot of issues with the NCAA. But for these sanctions themselves, what are the point of these sanctions? $5,000 to Louisville. They, they lose two weeks of, of recruiting. But, I mean, why even punish them at all? Like, that's nothing. That's not a slap on the wrist. That's not a slap on the finger. That's a slap on the fingernail. Like, that is absolutely nothing. Paul, you... You know, you alluded to something before before we went live on these sanctions. Yeah, I, I think to me that these sanctions, it was a big enough penalty the last five years, all of this just hanging over, a cloud hanging over Louisville. What's it going to be? What's it going to be? It's like time served 
almost in my mind with this situation because the recruiting took a hit everything there was just always this lingering doubt what's going to happen to Louisville what's going to happen to him Chris Mack never really was able to overcome all that because there was always that cloud what's going to happen in the future then this comes out and it's a big nothing so let me ask what is better for the NCAA or the AIRP to do what they did in this Louisville case and, you know, just hang and there's a cloud hanging over or be swift with a punishment and might have too strong of a punishment because you're swift and you want to get it over. Because you can argue that they're both terrible. Yeah, they got it. They got to speed this up. I mean, look at what's happening right now with Sean Miller and Xavier. Like, Xavier's not going to be punished. Sean Miller will be punished, likely. But we're talking about something now that, again, is five years down the road. Sure. What are we doing here? Just... Make your decision. What are we doing? I mean, it's terrible. Well, the people that get punished, obviously, are the people that never had anything to do with it in the first That's place. That's the other thing. That's the issue. I mean, that 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 is my issue. With and these the kids were in eighth grade. Yeah, it's like what you're going to ban the postseason from kids that literally were like seventh and eighth grade when they when when all this mm -hmm. went down. And on top of all that, not this is like relatively a dry subject, probably not the most fun subject. The last thing I'll say about the NCAA is the recruiting. Recruiting has gotten to where okay. The top programs go out and they find juniors that they like, right? And they sign juniors. And then it got to where I was like, okay, if we can scout and recruit and be able to identify good players before they're Earlier. juniors as, as sophomores, we're going to have a leg up, right? Because we can go out and we can make these kids feel like they're big time. We, we make mm -hmm. them feel good and, and blah, blah, blah. And we, and, we, and we sign them. When I say sign, I mean like get them to commit because you can't sign actually until you're a senior, right. right? So we get them to commit when they're sophomores and we just become buddy-buddy with them and we start getting the better players because they're not getting recruited yet. And then all of a sudden someone's like, oh, okay, well, if we can do it at 10th grade, then we could do it at 9th mm -hmm. grade. And then at ninth grade, now we're in eighth grade. And I think we're in a position now where the NCAA has to step in and do something about this. They can't just let these programs, and it's not just, you know, football is probably one of the better ones, if we're being honest. Football is the best. But football is the best. But we're talking about baseball. Basketball is probably honestly not as bad. But even the other one, soccer, softball is like seventh grade. It's, it's, it's absolutely lunatic. And here's why it's, it's crazy. And you could put a stop to it so fast is that – you offer a kid when they're in ninth grade, guess what? You can't not take it back when they're seniors. Mm -hmm. And that's what these that's what these big programs do. They go out and they find that they find, you know, whatever, the top eighth graders they can find. And then when they get up to being a junior, they take a hard look at him and they think, Do we think this guy can be good or girl could be good for our program? If the answer is still yes, great. We've been friends all along. We'll just act like it's it's kosher. But if it's not, guess what they do, Reed? They say, "Hey, yeah, sorry to tell you, but we don't have your spot anymore. We don't have your we don't have your scholarship anymore. We're gonna you're gonna have to probably try to find somewhere else to go." You think these kids are decommitting when they're juniors because they want to? Many of them, many of them are not decommitting because they are looking for their options. The kids are too prideful to say it. The kids not the kid doesn't want to come out and be mm -hmm. like, "Hey, the school called and told me I wasn't good enough to play anymore, so I got to leave." Instead, what it is is. I'm re I'm reconsidering my options. I'm opening up my, uh, you know, I'm opening up my recruitment again. And everyone thinks the kid's decommitting when that's not really the case. I'll tell you how you make this really, really right. simple. Yeah. Guess what? You want to go there, and if you want to sign them, okay. We both sign a piece of paper that says that that's where you that's where not, you're, you're going to play to go to school. If you decide you don't want to go there anymore, that's fine. But guess what? You can't play a sport at whatever other institution you decide to go to for at least one year how do parents fall into this trap? Because that's, that's ultimately 
who it falls back on because these deals when these kids are you know signing when they're in eighth ninth grade they're raw deals for kids there's no advantage to signing when you're in eighth or ninth grade if you're if you're a freshman except for you're thinking oh maybe we'll get into a better school than than we'll be but if you go to a better school then then you're able to play at that level what does it matter you can't play at that school but essentially it's a raw deal for these kids and these parents that keep letting them, Hey, we'll sign it just to say that these kids are, Oh, my, my son's in eighth grade and he's already committed. There's a kid here in Hamilton that committed to an sec school for baseball. Right. And he's in eighth grade. Right. Well, it, it's not the right. kid's fault. I don't even know if it's the parent's fault. It's there's pressure. Like, let me ask you this. If you're from this area, right. Okay. And the university, this university, Cincinnati area and the university of Kentucky baseball, comes to you in your living room or at at, the, at their facility and says, we're taking, I'm going to use baseball as an example. We're taking two outfielders in the class of 2029. Your son's one of those kids that we want. The problem is, is if he doesn't commit in the next three days, that spot could be taken next week. What do you do? Right. It's, it's I mean, tough. is that fair? No, it's not fair. And it's predatory is, is more than very much predatory. And it's, it's easy to be stopped. The NCAA can make it super simple. Right. You Say just, that these, these verbal commitments are contracts. They are contracts. Done. And guess what happens? Those schools will stop putting the paper in front of these kids immediately. Mm -hmm. Immediately. Forget that the, the recruiting and all that stuff will be gone tomorrow. You know why? Because they won't want to take the risk of being locked Nine, in on having an eighth grader. Kid, yeah. yeah, 13, 14-year-old kid being the person that they have a part of their class and and to, there's no there's no hole in that mm -hmm. argument. I've thought through it. Well, I mean, the the thing about verbal commitment is right now is there's nothing formal about it. It's a handshake. It's it's a gentleman's agreement. How do you can how do you stop schools from doing this this verbal thing? No, well, you're not going to. We do have, and we're not we're not there yet. We, we'll we'll take a break here in a minute. We do have college football on the horizon. You can see, obviously, I'm sporting Georgia. I'm a big dog fan. I didn't want to be the guy, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain myself before we get there. I didn't want to be the guy that, that invites the volunteers, guys mm -hmm. on, and then all of a sudden they come on and I just start absolutely berating them. So what I decided to do last night, I tried to find a Georgia fan and a Tennessee fan, and we're going to put them on the air at the same time, and we're going to see oh, what are happens. Are we going to be the judge we're for gonna, this conversation? We can just sit here. Well, we got to be the mediator. That's probably the better <laughs> word. This is It's 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 uh, political season. Why not? This sure. is like a debate, man. We're just going to be the mediator. We're going to sit here, and we're going to – I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to be tough for me not to chime in from time to time if this guy's got too many ridiculous takes. Um, but I think that there's a there's – a, I don't know. Would you call this a good weekend of college football outside of obviously just – yeah, there's two yeah. big games. There's three big games. Notre oh, Dame, yeah. Clemson, too. Right. Yeah. I, I so think this is a really good weekend. One of the best weekends of the year? Yeah, I would say Besides so. Besides maybe the last weekend, usually. Right. Like the last weekend, the reason it matters the most is because you finally get finality on a season. Yeah, I mean, rivalry week is always great. You get the Iron Bowl. You get all those matchups in one weekend. But how often do you get three matchups like this in one weekend? I think this is a pretty good weekend. Yeah. Uh, Sir Boy asks, yeah, what we'll do we think there. about we'll St. X versus Moeller tonight? We will be there. Um, come to the game, Sir Boy. Yeah, come to the game I day. think, I think uh, really quickly before we take a quick break and, and uh, get these guys on, we were able to see both of these teams, or at least I've been able to see both mm -hmm. of these teams uh, a few times. I, I think that um, Herbie's kid, Kirk Herbstreet's son, yeah, he's got the starting the position week. there. I think that he's young. I think that he does he 
he does put his team in a position to win, but I think when you play a molar, it requires something maybe extra special. And if the turnover battle is relatively even, I don't think that it's going to be a relatively close game. I think the only chance, the only chance that Moeller, or excuse me, St. X has is if we get like a, a, a fumble off of a kickoff or maybe like a, you know, um, I just don't see Jordan Marshall fumbling the whole ball a whole lot. So maybe there's a couple sure. interceptions, but the, the first I, I don't think it's going to be relatively yeah, close. Very, very quickly, the first time that these two teams met, Coach Speck from St. X had a better game plan. He's, you know, best coach in the area, I think, by a good margin. Had a good game plan. But the second time through, you know the team, you know the schemes. I think Mulder takes this. They're a much better roster. They're going to win pretty easily. Right. So I, we have some other other quick games, not to uh, jump around the, the high school market uh, a whole lot. But West plays Princeton. Um, yeah, Lakota West wins that one. Pretty good. I don't even know I've, if that's is that close. Is that even relatively close? Uh, the the spread, the spread on Twitter is is oh. eleven and a half. We should actually pull those spreads up from Mc, um, <laughs> what's kind of McFlog or McNeil yeah. or whatever send the McNeil. McNeil uh, on Twitter here. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah. Pull it what, up. What what what's um. Here's something for the if chat. you guys know do a bookie that will take high school games, no, no. <laughs> send them my way. I, I think I, I think that's a goal. Do for us. you do you think in our lifetime there will ever be a situation where a reputable sports book no has lines on high school games? No, no, no. Is it even legal? Like seriously? No, no, no it's, it's not. They're, under, it's not they're under eighteen. They're under it's eighteen. It's not legal. But I'll tell you what I will say. The OHSAA boys, they like their money. You can sit here and say all you want. They get these automated cameras. They get these automated cameras in all these facilities. They get these they get these analytics that automatically come in. You can only place like a $10 max wager, you know, something small. You can't be going in putting thousand dollars because otherwise Johnny's gonna be throwing the game tonight. Yeah. You know, we know we know that. <laughs> Toss him a PS5 and we'll see you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But I do think that there's a small chance, boys, hear me out on this, that if you can only place like a $10 max wager and they got the lines for all the games and you can watch them all on some network that they've created because the OHSAA is making some money. That's what this comes down to. We're going to take a quick, quick break. When we come back, we got the guys, Casey? Yep. We got the guys. Tennessee versus Georgia. We'll be right back. At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time, and if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, Ask about Bartell's 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at BartellsHeatingAndCooling.com. Bartell's Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun. Turn when you're in pain. Turn where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. Turn to
to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore. All right, welcome back into the Box Lunch. We got some guys now. Listen, obviously, uh, Austin, I didn't want to bring you on the show and uh, quite frankly be the guy that invited you on the show and then tore you down. So I had to bring in someone else. We got Austin Valls, obviously a UT guy, big Vol guy. You can see him there. And then we got John. John tweets sports um, from Dog Central, I believe. Is that right, John? That is correct, dogcentral.com. All right, and Austin, obviously you have quite the following on Twitter. I seen, I've been, I, I was scrolling through your tweets last night, and uh, I said, yeah, we want, we want this guy on. I want to hear what he's got to say. Um, but this is the biggest college football game, quite frankly, in my opinion. Um, obviously, maybe a little bias here, but not just this year, but maybe throughout the history of college football playoffs. Uh, era, if you will. Some are saying, not me, but some are saying that maybe the biggest game in Sanford Stadium history. Um, you know, and I just wanted to bring you both on. We're going to try to mediate this, obviously, as well as we can. You know, you don't need screaming back and forth, nothing like that. But I'm going to give the floor to Austin first. Austin, I want you to walk me through what this year has been like, first of all, because it's obviously been special. But then second of all, what, what gives you even the confidence that, you, that, that makes you – I've seen your tweets – what makes you think that you're going to roll down to Sanford and win this football game exactly? Well, I mean, yeah, it's been a magical season. I mean, some some are calling us 2019 LSU. Um, no, everyone's sick of hearing that properly. But there are a lot of similarities. And uh, uh, this offense has been able to score on pretty much every defense you can put. I mean, I was sitting in Neal State, and we, we put seven touchdowns on Alabama on a Nick Saban defense. That has never been done in the history of his coaching career. And it, when you see that happen with your own eyes, you get this confidence unrivaled and coming and we just had our best defensive performance of the year last week. And I know Kentucky's nowhere close to what we're going to face with Georgia. I mean, nowhere close, but it, we've really struggled for, for find, finding good DBs or which, which DBs would work. And, uh, yeah, I think we got three interceptions in that game. And I think under, under a hundred yards passing for Levis, the future, greatest quarterback ever apparently <laughs> um, hey i'm a big will levis fan oh yeah yeah uh tough, tough sled yeah he's I'm, much better than was, stetson that bennett one. that's for sure <laughs> i'm gonna try to stay out of this obviously john you you, you, you you've heard all the hype you you're, you've been surrounded by it you lived in it um your thoughts on obviously what scares you with tennessee a little bit but then more so probably what people may not know about georgia or what your thoughts on Georgia are as a whole as we enter into uh, Saturday? I mean, listen, what, what scares you about Tennessee is what you saw on the field versus Alabama, right? You've seen it. You've seen Jalen Hyatt run up and down the field. You've seen him and Hooker uh, be able to use his legs. You've seen the Tennessee run game. Um, what's interesting about Tennessee is they run the ball 57% of the time. Their rush rate is 57%. So um, people want to talk about swinging it down the field, but uh, you got to be able to stop the run. And so I think that, you know, that, that's obviously something that you got to think about at Georgia. Um, Tennessee, they, they've been tested, right? Played at LSU at brunch on the Bayou, 11 a.m., where LSU fumbled the first kickoff. Hostile environment. 
you know, I mean, uh, they, they played at Pitt, had to go to overtime, had to struggle to win a game there. And so they've gone through uh, some success. So they're, they're not a team coming in that hasn't been tested. And I think uh, you got to think about that if you're a Georgia fan. You got anything to say back to that at all, Austin? I mean, he's just dragging them through the mud. You gotta, you, you gotta at least have a. Do you have any fear that, that that you went to overtime with Pitt? If we're being honest, you got any fear for that? Uh, not really. It, watching that game, it just felt like a disaster. We, um, I think, I think we had a punt blocked. We dropped a punt. We had a fumble in on our on the wrong side of the field and just we were overthrowing passes it was just a total day where nothing was working and Pitt was a lot I mean Pitt obviously is nothing close to what we've been beating lately but but they are they were, they got very injured in that game let's say understood and we got a lot of guys through long I, I, run obviously I'm a di- I'm going to be much different than the audience that obviously is watching this show we're, we're based out of Cincinnati most people obviously are Ohio State or UC Bearcat fans around here they don't they don't consume the SEC as much as, Thanks, as someone like uh, like myself or, or you guys can you at least share on your own side of the ball obviously we've kind of bantered back and forth and I we've taken some small digs there between the two of you I like that but can you at least share what you think that people will probably maybe look forward to the most on Saturday, what they expect the most out of your side of the ball? What do you think perhaps is the best attribute or something that is some, tuning in? Most people have watched Tennessee and Georgia at least once or twice. I get that. But what do you think is the edge on Saturday that gives you gets you over the proverbial hump? We'll start with Austin. Uh, well, it's just our we do an amazing job of finding mismatches like with Jalen Hyatt and those safeties and creating separation. It was, I mean, he was wide open five times against Alabama for touchdowns. That's, that's pretty, that can, that can be repeated. We will, we will find mismatches like Heupel is one of the greatest coaches on, on offense in the game right now, without a doubt. And I mean, when we hired him, we didn't think, we were going to have that much success. We, we, we were thinking, okay, seven and five, best case scenario, uh, by year two, then we went seven and five in year one and year two, we were thinking maybe 10 wins, who knows, maybe, maybe it's possible. Then we beat Florida and we beat Pitt. That was like, those are two big goals because Pitt was amazing last year. You know, we couldn't end the year and then we beat Alabama and that kind of, oh, and LSU and Baton Rouge put up, I think we'd be in about 27 and uh, still change our whole mindset. Like this team can really, we still, that's when the 2017 or 2019 LSU chatter started going. But the stuff that also you got to look out for with us is we have one of the best run defenses in the SEC. I think we are number nine yards allowed in the country on, on rushing. Like we, it's a under talked about thing because everyone brings up our past defense, but well, do you think that Austin? Do you think not to ju- not to jump in? I don't want to steal John's thunder here, but Austin, now this is an honest question. I'm not just trying to take a jab at you, but do you think that there's a small chance as to why you stop the runs because you got like nine guys in the box every single play, and you put you put all of your DBs on islands on every single play, and you think it's just going to work out for you? It's like you got you got like four Darrell Revises out there. Somebody on the defensive staff's like, hey, just put them all out on islands. It'll work out, and then it just doesn't a lot of the time. Do you have anything? Do you have any? Do you have any concerns of that at all? Yeah, we're gambling. We know how bad our, our defensive backs are, and uh, we're usually trying to get to the quarterback before you can throw it to him. Freaking Bryce Young, man, that guy, 
it's like every time he starts running away from a defender, he never stops looking downfield, even when he's even when it looks like he's not. He's very good. Go ahead. That, that, guy, was, that guy was amazing. Austin, are you going to take? I mean, you're in shark infested waters with these two dogs fans right now, and he's giving you crap about about the pit game. Are you going to take that when these guys couldn't couldn't take care of Missouri or or even Kent State for that matter? <laughs> I bet on Kent State this week. They're terrible, and they were in a, t a, a one possession game, two possession game in the fourth quarter against the national champion Georgia Bulldogs. You're just going to take that? Come on, let's get into them a little bit here, Austin. Yeah, it's true, man. I mean, Georgia's so hard to judge because you saw that Oregon game and you're just like, oh my God, this is going to be the best team I've ever seen in my life. And then they kind of struggled a little bit. I mean, they did murder South Carolina, but I mean, I, I don't think I'd say anything. But and Florida. Um, Do you think. And Florida. That, that was impressive. Oh, that was pretty impressive. All right, Austin, John. And, well, go ahead, go ahead, one more thing. Auburn, Auburn's a trade, right? Austin, do you think Pitt, Pitt, Pitt is better than Kent State? <laughs> yes. I, do you I'm think that, go limb, especially week week two? Do you think Pitt is better than Missouri? Mm, uh, just say yes. Well, we'll, in, we'll in, just rile in, it up. He doesn't want to say two, yeah. You got to play him. You got to play him in two weeks. In in week two, yes. No, I'm not worried about Missouri. Good lord, I'm not worried about Missouri. <laughs> Hell <laughs> yeah! Like, right, like, these guys. Yeah. These guys got to sweat out in a Missouri game. Uh, our our style of play just just kind of kind of destroys teams like that. Do you think Coach Hubel looks like Bobby Moynihan from SNL? Uh, I don't know about that. I usually go with uh, he's like he's like uh, grown up Bobby Hill. We even have like King okay, of the okay. Hill. <laughs> All right, John. John. John, I'll let you have the floor here, and then I will say I'll, I'll, I'm going to have a conversation here with with Austin as we as we part, and and and, and I do I will say that uh, that that it is fun, it is it is finally fun to to have someone in the East be somewhat relevant again. So, go ahead, John. Floor is yours. Listen, here's the here's the situation, right? Tennessee is where Georgia was in 2017, number one ranked initial uh, college football playoff rank. Kirby Smart had lost to Vanderbilt the year before. The second year, all of a sudden, Georgia's winning games, number one in the initial CFP rankings, and uh, and and Athens was very similar to where uh, Knoxville is uh, today. And so we've been there as Georgia fans. We've been there. We've seen what Tennessee has gone through. We went to Auburn on the road and got smoked 40-17 to as the number one team in the college football rankings because – Kirby Smart had a lot of talent on that team that ended up playing for a national championship and losing in overtime to Alabama. But what Tennessee doesn't have is what Kirby Smart has spent the last five years with. Yeah. So last year at Tennessee, Tennessee goes right down the field. It goes up 10 to nothing, um, just taking it to Georgia. And Kirby Smart took Latavius Bernie out of the game, rolled Chris Smith to star, brought in two guys uh, – uh, and plus playing those three linebackers at the same time, made an adjustment, and Tennessee didn't score again until the last three minutes. So that's what you have when you have depth. And I love what Tennessee has built. I love what Josh Heupel is building. He's built a great culture. I think it's good for Tennessee to be good again. I don't think these balls are ready for the depth that they're about to face and for the defensive line that can make an adjustment that Alabama couldn't be able to make because Alabama had a safety that was a mismatch, and that safety also was a mismatch in – Texas A&M also was a mismatch versus Arkansas. Arkansas, Texas A&M exploited Pelham's 
Josh Heupel just did the same thing. You don't have that track record for Georgia. You don't have a guy on tape that you feel like, oh, this is where our mismatch is. So, you know, I love the story of Tennessee. I think it's been a great story. I think it's going to come to a crashing halt tomorrow. Mm. Um, and Tennessee you know, hopefully can continue like 2017 Georgia. Win your game, see what happens, maybe you end up in the college football playoff. But we went, there, we went through it in 2017, went on the road to Auburn. It is hard to go in those environments. Georgia got smoked. Good luck to you. Two things. One, if this if this interview is any indication for tomorrow, I think it's going to be Tennessee just because the preparation. I mean, Austin sounds brilliant, and John's cutting in and out with the audio. So I mean, Austin, Austin, Austin we're comes. not taking this. And then secondly, secondly, Austin, did you hear what he said about about your Vols? And now I've just got to hop on the bandwagon. Our Vols here. He's like, it's good that Tennessee is good. It, it makes us. It makes the East just a little more competitive. They're coming to a scratching hole. He thinks of you guys as little brother right now. Thinks of you guys as little brother. That's what these dogs think. That's what they are. And I mean, Hidden Hooker's gonna show him what's up. Am I right? I mean, he has some points. I won't lie. I was at that tournament. <laughs> oh, no, Austin, no, no, Austin, no. You've been tweeting, Austin. You've been tweeting, Austin. I'm about to don't relent, Austin. Don't relent. I'm about to turn it. I'm about to turn it. Okay, I'm about to. He's, turn he's it. about to flip. He's 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 he had, he had, he had me up, baby. some points. I won't lie. Last year we did have those issues, but this year we've not stopped. We've we have. Found ways every time. Every every time defenses, they sometimes got stops on us. But then we turned around and found something else. We and the thing that we've really done this year to keep us balanced, to keep us scoring, to keep this offense going, is that we just maintain that run game. It's like five or six yards every time. And our our, our line is one of the best units in America. Like people don't mm -hmm. realize that. Like mm -hmm. people think we're just we're just like getting lucky or, or, or throwing <laughs> passes fast. But that we That's we got like three is. NFL offensive linemen. It's uh, yeah, but but I I just I'm pretty confident we can score points. I'm I mean it's been every team in America we found something with. I mean I don't think Georgia. No offense, I just don't think it's invincible. I don't think it's impenetrable. Like I think, whatever the word is. Here, here's what I'll say, and I'll let you both go. I, I hope you won and obviously enjoy the game. Um, I I, I I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan of Georgia. But there are some there are some analytics and some indicators that are basically leaning heavily in Georgia's favor. Just so you know, I don't mean to just crush you, Austin, and I don't mean to just basically tell you not to watch the game tomorrow. But I will say you 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 you're, you're you might be in for a rude awakening. And here's my take on it, and and I'll let you guys go. And I want to hear your thoughts on how how you both feel about this. John's probably going to be cheering about it, but but obviously I do want to. Here's my thought, Austin. Everyone talks about how Tennessee goes fast, 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 right? But what they don't want to talk about is how the idea uh, that if you start this game or at any point in this game, you turn the ball over, you go three and out maybe once or twice in a row, and Georgia just has these drives that, like they have where they're just going to go 12 plays right down your throat. Your defense is going to be tired. Hendon Hooker is going to come right back out on the field, throw three quick passes or go three and out, and then all of a sudden your defense is incredibly tired. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, every single game that you have played well on offense in has been at home. It's been at home outside of LSU at noon in Baton Rouge. And here's my thought. You're not going to be able to change the play. You're not going to be able to change the play, and you're not going to be able to hear a damn thing. So those two things combined are going to doom 
the volunteers in a bad, bad way. I think it's going to get ugly. I really do think it's going to get very, very ugly. Uh, well, I'm not really worried about the crowd. I'm, I know that might be a, a totally offensive thing to say, and I, it is. But um, the tempo we run with, it doesn't really allow crowds to get involved a whole lot. It, it's it just you go before anyone realizes what's going on. And uh, I, why do you believe that, Austin? What? You 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 don't think Georgia fans are going to be louder and shit the whole entire time? And no, you think they're, they're just going to be they'll like be, they're they're going to be they're going to be reaching loud. down to get their peanuts while Hinton Hooker is getting ready to snap the ball because they just forgot they move fast. No, I'm just I just don't think like it's not a lot of pre-snap adjustments. It's not a lot of uh, communicating on the sideline. It's not a lot of that we do. We mostly run with hand signals and just okay. stuff that really doesn't let the crowd get involved. That's why I noticed in the ELSU game at least. It just didn't seem to really be that big of a factor Fair to enough. how we run our offense. But, all right, John. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Austin. Now you're, now you're fine. I'll just say, all right, John. Any 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 closing thoughts on this game? Anything that I said that you think's not fair or doesn't stand out, or et cetera, et cetera? No, I mean, I think it's going to be a good game. I think uh, Sanford Stadium is not going to be 11 a.m. LSU where LSU football field. So if Tennessee is in the stadium, the crowd can affect the game. Uh, 3.30 yeah. kickoff. We uh, Georgia fans like our brown water, so I'm sure we'll be hydrated. Um, and I think it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a great scene. I'm excited to, excited to see it. Fair enough. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you both see coming you. on. Here's the thing, Austin. I'll tell you what. And I do want you to do this. I won't have John back because I won't do that to him. But I personally will take the wrath. If, if somehow, some yes. way, Tennessee comes down to, 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 to Athens and wins that game. I will tell you, I want you to be prepared for this because I like to just try to, I try to warn people. It's like trying to tell your kids before they go and do something that you've done that same thing before and it's ended really, really, really bad. Like, don't go to try to jump that hill, son, with this car at 70 miles an hour because it's going to turn into a really, really bad situation. I'm just warning you. Don't get your hopes up too high. You've had a great season, right? It's been a great season. After this happens on Saturday, and what happens on Saturday, it doesn't mean that the program is back to back to zero. It doesn't mean any of that. But what it does, but what it does mean, is that you could still hold out hope, maybe getting in over Oregon in the playoffs once once this game's over, because it's going to be an argument over. Well, I mean, they had to play Georgia at home. It was really, really, it was really, really bad at home, but. It, at least Oregon got crushed in a neutral site game. So you might have that over top of over top of Oregon at the end of the year. I I'm not really <laughs> worried about getting my hopes crushed. I I'm I've been through it. <laughs> to tell I'm you a Tennessee <laughs> fan. It's been tough. <laughs> it's been hard on these you streets. It's been tough. I, I can handle so much. That's you don't terrible. even know. All right, brother. All right, it was fun talking to you. I appreciate it. I, I do enjoy your Twitter. It seems it seems as if you have some high hopes and uh, enjoy the game. Thanks, guys. Thanks. All right. He well, was he was really just man. gonna he was really just gonna take that that pit talk without bringing up Missouri Kent State. He really was like he was he wasn't gonna defend it at all. I, I just I, I I've never been more confident about a football game for Georgia in my life. So there's that. Let's talk about college football briefly. Yep. Um, yeah. Fellas, 
we'll obviously talk about Georgia, Florida, or uh, Georgia, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, quite quite some time. What about Notre Dame, Clemson? Thoughts, comments, concerns from you guys over there? Um, playoff implications, et cetera. Yeah, I got Notre Dame. I think if they win this game, they knock Clemson out of the playoff. Uh, I just think that's as simple as that. I don't. I don't really have much right. else about this game. I I don't really have any interest in watching Clemson. I would like to see Notre Dame win this game and just end all of that. Wow. What time's your soccer game on Saturday? 7 p.m. Ah, oh, I was gonna say let's let's take a trip on up. You're not allowed in Notre Dame Stadium, but we'll take you to South I Bend. Know. It just hang out outside. It's like the Tennessee fans that couldn't get into the Alabama game, and you're just watching it outside. And, and, right. I think that's tailgate. a game. I think Notre Dame Clemson's gonna go down to the wire. I, I have a feeling that it's gonna be Clemson at the end of it, but they played to their competition this year. Right. Notre Dame has. Which which if Clemson wins this game in a in a America's small America's rooting for Notre Dame right which. I mean, as they always should. I mean, you should. It's true. All for right. the morality. Uh, anything else, college football? No. Yeah, Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I'm just looking at the, the, the Google Doc mm. that you made. Yeah. Want to segue into that? LSU outright against Alabama? Um, at no. home? I'm taking, I'm taking Bama. No, Alabama is going to smack LSU. Nick Saban or Brian Kelly in a big game? I think that's pretty pretty simple which one you, you go there. <laughs> I, I there, There's... There's this, there's this, uh, uh, like I've told you guys in the office off air before. There's this guy that that makes reference on Josh Pate called the freezing point, oftentimes in his uh, in his show. And the idea or the, or, or the pre the premise behind the freezing point is that water, obviously, once it gets to an exact certain temperature, it will freeze. But anything above that temperature, obviously, it's it's a mute point. Doesn't matter. I think that there are defenses and offenses that are like that in college football, right? To where they are good enough to score points against defenses that aren't that aren't really to that quote-unquote freezing points or vice versa. And I think LSU kind of has that situation with Alabama's offense. Their defense isn't going to be able to handle Alabama. Like, they, they're able to handle, you know, these teams that struggle a little bit, like, like a Florida or whoever else they may mm -hmm. play. But when they have to play against a Tennessee, right, or an Alabama or a Georgia, it's going to be doomsday. Yep. But – so that's my thought on Alabama and LSU. Yeah, I like Bama. I like Bama winning. Expansion. Um, oh, Sir Boy Wonder likes the dogs. Notre Dame and, and, and LSU. Yeah. Thinks they're both going to win. Sir Boy, I want to LSU by seven. It's, Brad, it's, a bad, it's a bad take, Sir Boy. But college football playoff expansion, yeah. this is something that obviously I, maybe we have different take, variant takes on this. I was thinking uh, last night. Um, okay. The college football playoff expansion is something that I've been wanting, right? It's like I, I think a lot of people are like, oh, let's get more teams in this playoff. My concern is, is that you're almost starting to bite the hand that feeds you. And what I, what I mean by that is Tennessee-Georgia game is relatively not as not, – not, I mean, whoever wins and loses, it doesn't matter for the most part. Whoever loses the game, right, between Tennessee and Georgia would be in the college football playoff automatically. Yeah, but you're still – you're going to get those games on the back end too. I mean, you're not you're – not, this game is still going to mean a lot if you expand the postseason. It won't mean as much. It's not do or die for these two teams. But you're still going to get these better games on the back end that make it so much more yeah, in, exciting. In a Glendale, Arizona. In a Tampa, Well, Florida. no, but, but, but you'll have home games. This, you, this game could be the difference between a home game and a bye. Right. Right. So, so to be clear, right, and I, know, I, I, I believe I know this, but I don't want to make an ass of myself here. You have a buy, right? There's a there's a top buy. Four, top four get a top buy. Four top get a four buy. get a buy. So that's a big deal. And then you have home game for the first round, and that's it. Yeah. Right. 
And what I what, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to get at is that there is this pageantry and there is this there is this in my opinion there's this love of do or die every week. Right? I mean, there is this thought process that if Georgia were to lose at Missouri or Ohio State were to lose at Penn State, that there's a chance that that's it. And there's just something to the idea of that feeling of every week being meaningful and mattering a lot. And I do think that there's a situation now where when you get into this big playoff format, it just still, it's just going to be like the regular season isn't that big of a deal anymore. When college football has dominated the regular season, college football's regular season arguably is the best regular season that there is in sports as a whole, right? It means the most. For sure. And the only reason it means the most is because every week matters. And if you lose one week as a top program, right, you could say both sides. I get it. You could say, well, that sucks. You lose week two, and it's like, man, you feel like the season's over. But I'm just saying there's something to that. UC, for instance, right, UC football, they lost to UCF. If they didn't lose to UCF, you think this game on, on Saturday against Navy would feel a little bit different? Do you think people around here would be a little more excited? I'd say they would. I think that, not to say the season's over, but for UC fans, I guarantee you, it, yeah, felt, it, feel, it feels it like feels you're eating different. your own point. It feels like you're eating your own point now because once you lose that game, yeah, it, it lifts up one game, but if you lose that game, then your season, the rest of the games don't matter. You're eliminating the, the games on the, the, the second half of games by having a smaller college football playoff. I I also would like and this is maybe another thought process that we'll see what the chat thinks too. I what what is your guys thought on getting rid of the semifinal games at neutral sites? And playing them at home? Yeah. Uh, I like the neutral site for yeah. semis? Yeah. At least for the way it's set up right now. The, I like it. The The semifinals as they are are terrible. They never match up well. Because it's four teams coming from four different conferences more often than not. I know the SEC a lot of the times gets two teams. But it's four teams that do not match up well. The one, I think in since 2014, there's been between the college football playoff and the college championship, there's been, what would that be, uh, 16, 24 games. Out of those 24 games, only six of them have been good games. So the way that the college football playoff is working right now, it's not. So you're saying adding more teams, you'll get better games. Sometimes. Correct. You'll get you'll get the 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 eight and the nine playing against each other well. Okay. And and I, I will say this about the playoff. I think I think that as a top level program, it's easy to say that you don't want it to expand. Of course. But I would also say that that be careful what you wish for. Well, be careful what you wish for. When when it, when a when a two loss Georgia team gets in at whatever it is twelve or a one-loss, two-loss Ohio State team gets in at 12. Be careful what you wish for when what? those types of teams, at the end of the day, are always going to – the cream's always going to rise to the top, per se. But I do think that it's going to be more fun. My only worry is, is will it take away from the regular season drama? It, it inevitably has to, guys. Oh, like, I, it, I, will, I, it will for the top programs, but it adds to all these other programs that are surrounding that, that have an outside chance of now getting into the college football playoff. Yeah. yeah, it takes away from the big Georgia games, the big Texas game, the big Alabama, or whatever, the big sure. top-tier games. But these teams like a Syracuse, who all of a sudden have, are yeah. fighting for a chance to play in the college football playoff, that's huge for them. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm very far away from you on that take because I think the college football regular season is the worst regular season in all of sports because none of the games mean anything. And I talk to my friends that work in ticket sales and things in college football, and they say how hard it is to sell season tickets because these big donors and people want to just buy. They'd rather spend a lot of money on the one game that matters because really, there's really only like one or two games that matter. Now, sure. the Missouri game ends up being a good game as the game happens after the game kicks off, but that game doesn't set up for the ticket buyer or for the viewer before the game. College game day is not going to Missouri because that sets up at a good game. We turn it on in the third quarter because it ends up being a good game, and the playoff expanding, like to your point, Reed, it becomes a big deal for like the Syracuse teams, the, the UCFs, or UC maybe that is a one-loss UC team that might be on the cusp at 15, it makes all those mm -hmm. games at the end of the year more important. Now, if you're in the top four, yeah, that maybe not. Well, it also matters for the third or fourth team in, say, the SEC. They're fighting for to play in the college football playoff, a game that might not mean anything where you're the 20th-ranked Ole Miss playing against UK. Yeah. That game is, yeah, it's two ranked teams playing, but does anybody really care? I yeah. guess what I'm trying to say is – the concern that I have to a small extent, and I say small as in very small. I'm not, I'm not one to sit here and say they should not expand the playoffs to 12. I think that that's kind of where you guys are taking this. What I am trying to say is, is that there's a small part of college football that has the pageantry of just tradition. And when Ohio State plays Michigan this year, it is a playoff game. And it is at, it is at one of the, it is at one of the home sites is what I'm getting yeah. at. Yeah. So, we might be in a situation where when Ohio State plays Michigan next year or the year after that, yeah, you could argue that they're playing for home field advantage or whatever, but inevitably, it's not going to just feel the same anymore. And that those two teams might match up again, per se. And that's, you, could, you could argue that, but then they might be playing in Glendale. And it's like, yeah, that might be fun. That might be cool. But I just don't, I just don't know if there's going to be, and again, we won't know until it's happening. And it might be one of those things where it's like the DH in Major League Baseball. Everybody argued like, oh, yeah, get rid of the DH. We don't need a DH. We need pitchers hitting. And then the DH happens. And then all the old people are like, <laughs> oh, that's kind of nice. We don't have to watch that guy just flail his bat three times. Right. So I am, I am admitting that there's a good chance of that happening. But uh, I, I'm not going to also sit here and be like, I don't think that we're losing anything from expanding the playoffs because we, we are losing something here. Do you lose a little bit of pedigree in this Tennessee-Georgia game? Sure. It doesn't mean quite as much as it does now. Is it still going to be marquee, must-watch television? Is it still going to have huge college football playoff implications? And is it – yeah, you're going to create more. Casey, you had something to say. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is they have to change their mindset on – these teams, for example, have to change their mindset on scheduling. They got to change because when you look at their big brother, the NFL, I mean, they just expanded their playoffs and the way that those games worked out. Mm -hmm. You had two really good games. You had a couple blowouts here and there. But to me, it seems more in line for college playoffs to benefit from it because the regular season could matter a lot more if they change the way they do their power rankings based off of who you play. Michigan right now does not deserve to be in the top four. They only played Penn State. Same with Ohio State. They don't deserve to be number two or whatever. They only played right. Penn State. So yeah. to me, if they were able to go into it with a 
different mindset and teams would start playing each other. I mean, yeah, they're, they're, they're also, they, they that's, that's another thing. That. They are, they're they're, they're going to play they, more they teams. Are, they are starting. I will say this, too, about the regular season, to be fair. Um, they are starting to play more meaningful games in the regular season now, right? Like, uh, Ohio State is scheduling in Alabama. And um, I don't know all of the top matchups. But back in the day, right, as we all know, when it was the BCS area, and maybe even, quite frankly, some of this like area, you, you, you tried to play nobody. Right. There you was no, to you literally the just, chances to let's lose. Let's go undefeated. Yeah, yeah, that was the main goal. So I, I do think that that's another pro from the regular season perspective. But I guess to my point is, is it's heading and trending in the direction of professional athletics. And I just hope that we don't lose the tradition and the glamour that is college football. And it, it's okay to play against Mississippi State when you're a 21-point favorite when you're Alabama sometimes. Like, that is okay. Because otherwise, we're going to turn into a thing where there's like 15 programs in this country and everyone else is just playing in the, the, the bowl championship series. I, I also want to say one last thing about it. And that's you have the, the playoffs offer an opportunity for there to be more chances for an upset right and no that, that, there's, that there's me, more meaningful that, games yeah there's more meaningful games with the playoff i think it brings in the Tr hope of many other fan bases trace right? trace is correct that it will diminish the marquee you know michigan ohio state playing for a chance to get in the college football playoff not just that rivalry for georgia and tennessee playing in you know the biggest game that you said maybe in your life but it as we mentioned it it opens up so many more programs, so many more games that, that have implications. I liken it, and maybe this isn't a one-to-one -one comparison, but to the MLB, before 1968, the best team in, the, in each league made it to the World Series. There were no postseason. It was just you won the pennant, you played in the World Series. That made those regular season games towards the end so much more meaningful. But as we know, it is much better with more playoffs. Right. All right that's fair. I, I think that's a good take throughout the college football playoff expansion as a whole, and we can jump into uh... – what you guys want to talk about. I, I, I'll tell you what, I was trying to give it a break. And let me start by saying this, because I'm going to try to kind of just stay out of this conversation because I'm not much of a Bengals fan. And, and, and I don't know if I'd really deserve to talk too much about it. If you want my perspective from an outsider, sure. Listen, folks, it's okay. It's going to be okay. I, I, I know that the, the, the wheels are falling off. I know that it seems like hell right now as a Bengals fan. But they're going to win this weekend. They're going to win this weekend. They're going to be five and four, and they're going into a bye. And I'll leave it at that. It's going to be okay. Well, I guess this is why I put this topic up, and we talked about this briefly Wednesday, and now we're talking about it again. I have thought long and hard about where my mindset is as a Bengals fan, and it truly does feel like we're in this weird sort of limbo to where I try to keep very realistic expectations on where I should be as a fan, where I think this team is. And oftentimes I don't do that because, you know, being a fan, there is fanatic. But I don't know where my expectations should be for the Bengals. On one hand, we're four, the Bengals are 4-4. Four and four. They were 5-4 and four last year before the bye, and that's where they're heading at. That's what it looks like if they take care of Carolina. They'll be this year. That two years ago would have been great expectations I mean, like yeah we're, we're 500 we're fighting for a postseason that's where i think we should be with this team with this roster but then we go to the super bowl last year the goalpost move and you're thinking do we need to be back in that situation do we need to be playing those big games are we the big dogs along with the bills and the chiefs and and now the eagles have snuck into that consideration should we be thought of in that same scenario 
guys, two Bengals fans as the producers here, am, am I crazy just for feeling like we're in this sort of in-between of where we are actually as a franchise, as a team, as a fan base, and where we should be thinking that this team should be? Casey? I, so I struggled with this one, too. Um, if we're going to compare to last year, if they do, in fact, win against Carolina, which I'm I'm having my doubts about that game, honestly. Um, Man, Casey's down real Casey, bad. you are down Casey. bad, bro. <laughs> no, no, we'll get into it. Why? We need to call why? The Holy cow. Oh, my gosh. What? Why? Why is that such an outlandish take? They're eight-point favorites. That does not mean a single thing to me. Casey, that does not mean a Casey, single Casey, thing Casey, to me. Casey, finish your thought. Go ahead, Casey. So the, the schedule last year, right, they played Raiders, Pittsburgh, Chargers, San Fran, um, Denver, Baltimore, Kansas, Cleveland again. Um, they managed to actually lose to what I thought were playoff contending teams like Los Angeles, San Fran, um, they managed to sneak a win out of Kansas City, which kind of put them over the edge. They managed to win against Baltimore. Um, so it's not out of the realm of possibility if they win this Sunday that they can still manage to pull this off. But I will say that this the, the next couple weeks um, in their regular season after the bye week, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, those are going to be what we called the swing games in Tom's show. Um, and I'm not looking forward to playing TJ Watt again. I'm really not. Uh, not with that offensive yeah, line. Yeah, fair, fair point. And Tennessee, I know I have them like borderline stink in that show, but they match up really well when DJ Reader is not in the lineup. And I know they talked about him coming back potentially after the bye week. That's the difference to me is that this year is not like last year because we have too many injuries. It's it's different. It's uh, it's uh, something that we can't account for because you lose your best three players. I mean, we had them. Yeah, it going exposes last the year. depth of this team more. We than need to yeah. stop saying the best three players. The best, three, the three. best, the best, the best player on the team is still sitting behind the center every game. Right. His name's Joe Burrow, and he's wears number nine. You but the next, the three players after that, the three yeah, most important three players, most maybe, important players, maybe not besides best, Joe. besides Joe, right? Okay. Well, I I just think that you guys undervalue the Browns. That 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 end of the, at, at the end of the day, that is my biggest thing to all of. Hell yeah! Bring it back to you. I'm just saying, like, why why are you guys so down that right. the Browns beat you up? They have your number. They've had your number. They've whipped your ass seven of the last eight times. They've what ne- in that what's game? What's his name's never? What's his name's? What's his, Zach Taylor's never beat the Browns? That's not true. Whoa, was he one one? Andy Dalton won on week seventeen. Hell yeah! Kicked kicked the Browns out of the postseason. Okay, hell yeah! Andy Dalton, I was there. My baby. apologies. My Food apologies. poisoning day. Well, I was my puking my brains out. Thanks, Condados. You can't sit here and go so Whoa. far down the depth chart of like, oh, we're so bad, we're so bad. I mean, you watched that game on okay. Monday. You watched that game on Monday. What did the Styles Bengals make fights, man? That's that's what it is. Styles make fights. It's exactly why Tennessee's gonna get their ass beat by Georgia. And it's exactly why Georgia whipped. Uh, Kentucky's ass. Okay, it so doesn't all, it doesn't. You can't play this game well. They beat this team, but this team. Why did St. X play Moeller close, and then they played, and then they lost to Elder, and then Elder got beat by Moeller by a hundred? Well, there's there's varying reasons why games Elder go the way they do. Four balls in a row. I, 
I'll say this. I think I think my opinion would have been different if we weren't 0-3 in the division. If we would have managed to sneak out a win between either Baltimore or Pittsburgh, which I'll, I've said it multiple times on Tom's show that we should have won in Pittsburgh. I don't care what anyone says. You can't. There's not one fan in this universe that would ever expect you to lose your long snapper and it affect the game that much. I'm not going to dwell on it because yeah. it happened and, and it's a loss. So right. I, I but don't wanna... what I'm saying is like being one and two in the division and having that extra win, I think would make me feel a lot more safe going into the bye. But this being at four and four and this defense that Carolina has, man, it's not bad. It's, it's actually pretty damn good. Casey Casey got hurt so bad on Monday that he's not letting his he's he is it, he has what, put a nice what? wall around his heart. He's not letting it happen Listen, again. They there's only why 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 is this such a terrible conversation to have about the the Panthers being better than what they actually are? Why, Al, why, Al, I don't know, I, Paul. I wanna, Paul, Alex, you're the level-headed Alex, guy over there. Do me a favor, Alex. Do me a favor and treat this man to, to, the, to the best life he could possibly have. Because if you break his heart in any way, he's never, ever, ever gonna have another girlfriend. Anything. It's over for him. Yeah, he gets his heart broken and he's no. just over the edge. We're gone off the deep Holy end. Holy cow! I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying it's all over. I'm just extremely worried about this game. What's wrong? Yeah, with you can't look that? past it. That is All one right, thing okay. about being a Bengal. Right. That All is right. one thing about being a Bengal fan right. that we cannot do. We are always looking forward. Like, what can our record be after the next three? You got to cut that out. You yeah. got to look towards Sunday. You know, it, it's 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 just between Joe and the defense, me and a beer at the Avenue, and you've just gotta you've gotta right. gotta keep and your head level headed. That's that's why I'm trying to get everyone to realize. Like, people are saying, "Oh, if we go four, five and four into the bye, we're, we we'll be fine." I'm like, he's well, a week by week guy. That's let's what we're go, finding out. Casey's not down bad. He's a week by week guy. It yeah, is. Let's go five and four. Yes. But when I look at this Carolina defense, I'm getting really worried. <laughs> I really am. They have a really damn good defense. <sighs> All right, Paul, All right. you're the level-headed one over there. Look, I'm not going to drone on about this. I'll just shoot the middle here and say that I think there there is a middle ground between having Super Bowl aspirations and being the bungles of years past where – Yes, when you go to the Super Bowl, you have to be able to elevate your expectations. You rename the stadium, you have this influx of 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 funds, right? <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> you, you get No, no, no. You you get these influx of funds, you get this influx of fan support, right? There's this whole new energy around the team. You can't just revert to say, "Oh, we got lucky." Right? You have to build mm -hmm. around a franchise talent at both the quarterback and the wide receiver. You have a a, a franchise level defense. But you don't have to expect to go to the Super Bowl every year, especially not in the AFC. If this was an NFC conversation, it would be totally different. But there's a middle ground between having Super Bowl aspirations and being on death's door about losing to P.J. Walker. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, I'm telling you, stop. You, you're, making, you're making the the losing to them feel much worse by saying this. Just give them legitimacy. Oh, no. he's, them, he's shielding his heart. He's hedging his heart. I knew this credit. is what he's doing. You know give what he the did. Panthers their due. He give learned his lesson. He learned he's, his lesson. He's not, look, he's not looking past it. No, this man learned his lesson. He realized that he probably shouldn't stop looking right into the camera and saying the Browns stink. He doesn't want to do that to the Panthers. I respect no, that. No, I like a man that's learned his lesson. He's humble. He's been humbled. Casey, yeah. and, kudos to you, buddy. And I'll, I'll, I'll uh, just end with this. Um, the Panthers do stink. 
<laughs> I will admit this about the Bengals on Sunday. If Chris Evans returns another touchback and Kevin Huber punts another 20-yard punt, I want the special teams shipped off to the moon. I'm over the damn special teams and the things they're doing. But, Casey, thank you for coming around on the Casey, Panthers. Casey, Listen, you. the Panthers stink, but the Bengals stink too. They're on the stink list. That's fair. All right, all right here's the deal. Uh-oh. You've been thinking Uh-oh. about this all week. I'm oh, sure yeah. you were – you were telling your significant others. I already that told we Mariana to quit. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing, right? I got three guys in the room. This is going to be what? Three men. 700 and we'll call it $50. Okay. I will give you your money back if you parlay. Anti-Philly special you again? Got a, you got a $250 credit. Okay. Okay. You gotta okay. send me the screenshot though. All right. That you place this bet. All right. You have to parlay. This is where Paul might not do it, and that's fine. Not to do it. You have to parlay Georgia and the Bengals money line. You parlay those two things together, and there's your free money. Keep that money that you're gonna win this weekend. And listen, if you lose it, I'll take it. I'll it's pay you back. One. So we, we've got a $250. He gave us a coupon to, to DraftKings FanDuel, wherever we want to go. <laughs> and he said, put $250 on this parlay. So it's Georgia All right. and the Bengals on I'm the gonna, I'm going to – What's that pay us out, I'm, Paul? I'm cooking it up right now. Georgia, Georgia minus eight. It's got to be like plus two. Georgia minus eight and the Bengals money line. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I want to give up uh, eight points. I do think that the Bengals are going to route them. I think that's going to happen, but I, I, I like to just like the money line. That's plus 149. What's, okay. that, what's that get you? What's that pay you? 250 pays 624, so that's a, a little under $400. So you're going to win four, you get $400 this weekend as a thank you. All right. Boom, shala, boom shakalaka said he's picking us up in 10 minutes. We're going to Lawrenceburg. <laughs> let's put it in let's put it in the sports book right. barstool no problem all right 250 all right i mean i picked georgia on the show I, yesterday i have no idea i'm gonna submit that bet I'm not gonna do <laughs> in Indianapolis. so I, I gotta need a bookie so, <laughs> i know where, where are you gonna be we know a guy i'm gonna be moving Oh, I thought you said you. What was the term? I thought you said you were going to be in Indianapolis somehow. Uh, that came through my head. I don't know. No, what. I said I'm not going to be anywhere near Indianapolis. Oh, okay. You're talking about being in Indiana. Yeah, being in. Understand. Indiana. Well, we can figure that out. I'm sure we can figure that out for you, Casey. I mean, so, we, we, if nothing else, you could just double it up on one on one person's account, and then true. Then, then we could just take care right. of it that just, way. Just put a nice seven hundred. That's how confident I am. For all of our chat folks, I'm telling you right now. Uh, you, you know, I've been wrong before, but I'm I'm very very rarely wrong. I feel just as good as about Georgia, uh, not only winning but covering the spread in this game as I did against the Browns. About this is about the same exact thought process. I'm putting I'm putting two hundred fifty dollars on Maryland plus five because my boy Spur Lock is Spur hot. Spur Lock. Yeah. Spur Lock is hot. Like I said, don't spend it all in one place, but. I, I expect your guys' with smiling faces to come in here on Ricky on Vaughn Monday. wants to know if he can place that bet, too. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much money a man has. <laughs> so, if I, well, it's, it's, I can't it's walk free. Ricky Vaughn, Ricky Vaughn, I mean, we're, we're, yeah, all right. How do we get money to Ricky Vaughn? Like, I don't know. 
I mean, do we have to go own? to the California Penal League? Is that, is that where he was at? <laughs> I don't know. But, hey, we appreciate everybody coming in, joining the chat, chatting it up with us. We got a, we got a Monday, or not a Monday, a long, a long Friday. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be some fun, hopefully down at, uh, at Norwood, which Norwood. is where Moeller plays their high school football Most games important. against St. X. What'd you say? Most important Catholic school that plays down in Nor- Norwood. I guess. I don't know if that's uh, – how could you take that dig – being a Xavier guy, I don't know. I take digs at everyone. That's <laughs> what we do. Are you new here? I mean, come All right. on. All right. And last, I, I told. I think I told Boom Shakalaka uh, what the US, USPS has about. There's a guy named Stetson Bennett. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, you can look his story up, but he wore a USPS hat when he went to all the camps because he wanted other people to recognize him, and he thought that if he wore a USPS USPS hat at these college football camps, that they'd be like, "Who's that guy thrown in the in the postal hat?" And not a bad take, not a bad idea. So now he's called the mailman, and that's who I'm rolling with on Saturday. You got anything else to say? College football is hilarious that two 25-year-olds are playing with 18-year-olds on, on Saturday in amateur football. <laughs> who's, who's counting? I will, be, <laughs> I will be devastated if Georgia wins by 14 and the Bengals lose. Oh, oh just that. Yeah. You want to talk about devastated. being down bad? <laughs> I would be down bad. <sighs> if, if Georgia – was to win by 21. It's not even a game. I I come out of the soccer game and it's just like, oh, this wasn't even close. And the Bengals lose to PJ Walker. Uh, uh, we oh, actually, if the Bengals lose to PJ Monday. Walker on Sunday, <laughs> I'm driving out to Mason. I've got to check on Casey. Yeah, just it's a wellness. Check. It is a wellness check on Casey. I'm gonna need it, Casey. We, I'm gonna need it. We're out of here before we do anything else. See ya. Have a good weekend, everybody.